Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host Shaq. We're going to be talking UFC Beijing, Curtis Blades versus Francis Ngannou. And Shaq, it's going down the rematch. And uh, it's time to cash some bets at 4 a.m. on a Saturday morning, my man. Yeah, man, the early bird gets the worm, and uh, it's a great card. You know, I'm glad to see uh, Curtis Blades is in the spot that he's in. And, you know, Francis, it's uh, it's unfortunate. You know, they're on uh, completely two different paths at the current moment. So I'm really looking forward to that fight, and uh, I can't wait to see what happens. Yeah, you know, obviously we got a bunch of emerging prospects, specifically Chinese prospects, but more importantly, Shaq, a year ago today... Dana White was saying, uh, doesn't Francis Ngannou just look like the heavyweight champion of something? And now it almost seems like they're trying to usher him out the UFC. Isn't it incredible what two losses will do to a career? Yeah, man, it's crazy. And uh, and that was just based off that last fight, man. You know, that last fight was, you know, horrendous, man. So he kind of, it was kind of warranted and, you know, a little bit too harsh at the same time. But uh, he's got the chance to shut everyone up on uh, Saturday morning. And, you know, I know Francis Ngannou was on the losing end of of that horrendous fight that you mentioned. But look, Derek Lewis landed three strikes. Francis Ngannou landed zero strikes. But off of that fight, Derek Lewis went on to knock out Alexander Volkov. It was so spectacular that everyone forgot about the Ngannou fight. And then he got a title shot against the champ champ DC. So if Francis Ngannou actually comes out here and gets this upset, he could be right back in the mix, Shaq. 100%, man. He's got a big name. Like we said, he, at one point, he was supposed to be the next great heavyweight champion. Unfortunately, things didn't work out. But uh, we'll see. Uh, I, I hear he went back to France. You know, I hear he's uh, back at his home gym. So we'll, we'll see if he uh, comes improved. Well, Shaq, we remember what happened uh, last time he went back to France. So uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure that's necessarily a good thing, my man. But uh, we're going to figure it out firsthand uh, 4 a.m. on a Saturday. But first up in the flyweight division. We got Lewis, the last samurai Smolka. He's minus 220. The comeback on Sumu Derji is plus 180. Now, Shaq, interestingly enough, less than a year ago when Lewis Smolka fought inside the octagon for the very last time, one of the biggest plays we ever had was on Mateus Nicolau. And he went out there with a 30-25, beautiful performance. Now they're bringing Lewis Smolka back. He got three wins on the regional scene, all finishes. He's been showing his heart. But now he's taking on this new kid. The kid's super young, Suma Derji. Very intriguing style, a lot of potential. You think he's ready for Smolka at this point in his career? Yeah, I do. I think a lot of people can be ready with, for Smolka. You know, I think Smolka's a very tough guy, very experienced. He's fought some of the best of the best, but, you know, his style has a lot of holes in it. You know, his takedown defense is not very good. His striking defense is not very good. You know, he, he is a tough guy, like I mentioned before. You know, he's Hawaiian. You know, it's it's very hard to put those guys out, so he's got that going for him. And, you know, he, he'll walk he'll walk guys down. He'll move forward. And we know on the mat, you know, if your mat game's not on point, you know, he will scramble and, uh, you know, attempt a lot of submissions, man. So, you know, he's an interesting guy, but I think uh, his opponent here is, has a very solid left kick. I think he can blast Smoka with kicks, and I think that as long as he, you know, makes the crowd ooh and ah with those hard kicks, you know, uses movement, land the harder shots, I think it's very easy to look good against Smoka. You know, the guy is very basic. He's very simple. But at the same time, you got to have composure. But I I'm going to uh, go for the upset here. You know, I like uh, Sumajari. Yeah, man, it's really intriguing because I feel like the higher ceiling goes to Asuma Derji all day, man. I mean, I, I I think he's only, what, 22 years old? So just wait till he's 24 or 25. Uh, you could be looking at a potential future contender. But right now, we got to address what the deal is. And on the feet, he's twice the, the speed of Lewis Smolka. He's going to blow Smolka out the water on the feet. This kid's throwing side kicks, hook kicks. He's almost like a Chinese Yair with a little bit of Melvin Gillard. And the reason I say a little bit of Melvin Gillard, yes, he is a knockout artist. I have seen him go out there and knock people out with flying knees. But the one glaring weakness in his game is his submission defense. You know, I have seen fights where he's gone out there and dominated, gets taken down one time. And uh, as soon as his neck got touched, uh, it was game, set, and match. So for Suma Derji, he's got to keep this fight standing the entire time. Now, What's good about that for him in this particular matchup is that Lewis Smolka ain't no D1 wrestler. So, you know, for Lewis Smolka to get this fight to the mat, he's really got to exert all his energy or Suma Derji has to make a stupid rookie mistake because otherwise it's going to stay standing and uh, Suma Derji is about to sidekick and hook kick this guy at will. I see the only way Lewis Smolka gets a victory, it would have to be a comeback victory, somehow drag this fight to the mat, t take his back, 
and choke him out. Otherwise, he's going to get lit up here, Shaq. And uh, I do think he's going to get lit up here. I'm going to go with Suma Derji. I could see a, a case for an early stoppage, you know, because uh, Smolka gets dropped uh, every single fight. I mean, when we talk about his last UFC fight against Mateus, got dropped four or five times. His last fight on the regional scene versus Kyle Estrada got dropped two or three times. So eventually, I mean, I know he's Hawaiian. I know these Hawaiians got incredible chins, but eventually the ref's going to stop a fight eventually. I mean, you saw with my boy Yancey Medeiros, you know, against Alex Cowboy, got dropped a hundred times, survived, won that fight. But then against Cowboy Cerrone, on the first knockdown, they called the fight. So don't be surprised if this is a TKO win for Suma Derji. But I'm going to go with decision here because these Hawaiians can take a whooping. I think he will take a whooping. Suma Derji just cannot let Smolka take his back, cannot let Smolka get on top because Smolka is an opportunistic scrambler. However, Suma Derji ain't going to be shooting for a takedown, so I don't think it'll get there. I'm going to go with Suma Derji for the upset as well, Shaq. Now, next up in the Bantamweight division, we got Pingwan Louis minus 230, and the comeback on Martin Day is plus 190. Now, Shaq, we cashed on Pingwan Lu in his UFC debut at Dog Money Odds against Damian Stasiak. Now he's taking on Louis Smolka's teammate, Martin Day, who, long striker, tough Hawaiian. Who you got? Yeah, Martin Day, you know, uh, Frankie Edgar brought him in to mimic Yair for uh, for that camp. And, you know, uh, he's a very exciting striker. You know, he's long, he's got the spinning kicks, you know, he's very flashy. And, you know, on the other side, Pinguan Lu, he, he's like a Chinese bull, you know. He likes to go forward, he likes to rough guys up. He trains with Song Yudong every day. He's training at Team Alpha Male for this fight. I think it's going to be a very good fight. I could definitely see this fight, you know, uh, being, you know, kind of a war, you know, a great back and forth fight but i see pinguan lu just being too rough i see him you know uh pushing him against the fence a little bit you know just you know uh cracking him with the harder shot you know i think martin day has very good kicks but i'm not sure about his boxing on the inside and uh i think pinguan lu is just gonna win a a, a, ver a fairly close decision in his in his hometown yeah i'm with you on that as well my man i think that pinguan lu he impressed many at least me, he impressed me a lot in that UFC debut. I know there were some sketchy moments, but look, Damian Stasiak is a UFC vet. Damian Stasiak's a guy that went three hard rounds with Pedro Munoz. So I felt like for a UFC debut, he went out there, did his job. Now we're going to see a more comfortable version of Ping Wan Lu. And like you mentioned, Song Yudong's main training partner. And I know in some cases, you know, you got the Chris Weidmans and the Volantes. The main training partner might be a punching bag. But I don't see it that way with Ping Wan Lu, man. I think this kid's a very... A very serious talent, very physical for the weight class. And Martin Day, he's a tall, long striker. You know, interestingly enough, when you go back and you watch some of Martin Day's regional fights, I mean, he's knocked guys out with spin kicks, uh, flying knees, the whole bit. When he did step up on contender series, I was not impressed at all. But then again, I, I heard the stories that, you know, he took that fight on super short notice. The weight cut was so intense that uh, he just couldn't perform like he's used to. I, I heard that the guy has a lot more to show than uh, what he displayed on that contender series fight. So I'll give him the benefit of the doubt, and I'll, I'm definitely going to keep my eyes open. However, I do think that at this point in their respective careers, Pingwan Lu is simply ahead right now, and for that reason, I'm going to take him via a somewhat dominant decision here, Shaq. Now next up in the UFC middleweight division, we got Kevin Holland. He's minus 425, and the comeback on John Phillips is plus 340. Now Shaq, in 28 professional fights, John Phillips has only seen the third round one time, and that was over 10 years ago against Tom Watson. You think there's a chance he sees the third round here against uh, Kevin Holland? Uh, it's, a, it's a tough question. It just depends on if Kevin, you know, wants to play around or not. Um, you know, uh, Phillips, I mean, you know, SBG, you know, besides Connor, and I mean, look at how he looked his last fight. I mean, they're not doing so hot, bro. Um like, you know, this guy, he's never been out the first round in barely any of his fights. Uh, you know, I think Kevin just needs to weather the early storm, not get caught with a punch in the first couple of minutes, and eventually this guy will start to look for ways uh, to go home. So, you know, I like Kevin here for sure. Um, but it, Kevin, I mean, in his fight on the Contender Series, he was about minus 800 in one of those fights, and, uh, I mean, he let the guy survive for all three rounds. So, you know, it just depends on whether he wants to play or not. But uh, Kevin Holland takes the win here for sure. You know, Kevin Holland is an extremely talented guy, not just on the feet. Not only can he knock guys out, Shaq, but he's also a brown belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And I've seen him go out there, win fights via triangle choke, and he gets on top of a guy like John Phillips. And uh, the fight will be over shortly after because John Phillips, basically what he's got is a nice two-minute explosion. You know, while the fight's standing, 
for the first two minutes. I mean, look, the guy's going to come out there. They call him the white Mike Tyson for a reason. I believe he's got 25 first-round finishes. He swings some bombs. He's a bar brawler, you know, uh, kind of like this guy Rashad Coulter we're going to talk about here in a little bit. But that, that's what John Phillips is, you know. He's a uh, <laughs> they call him the Welsh wrecking machine. I, I feel like on the regional scene, you know, you put him in there with some cans, he'll go out there and smash them. But when it comes down to the UFC level, you know what's something you need in the UFC, Shaq? A ground game. And uh, John Phillips does not have a ground game whatsoever. Look, it's just about Kevin Holland, like you said. Is he going to play around? I think even if he plays around, he can win this fight. But if he plays around, he gives John Phillips more of a chance to connect on his chin. Because, look, we can't sit here and act like John Phillips doesn't have power. He does have power. However, he's super beatable. First takedown, and I think the fight's over. So it's about, is Kevin going to come out here with his, uh, you know, his striking doesn't look the prettiest, but it's very effective because of his length, his athleticism. And uh, I do think that he's a smart fighter. I mean, he's a guy that went out there and beat Jeff Neal. He's a guy that went out there and had a three-round war with Curtis Melander prior to his UFC career, Shaq. And then that contender series fight, you know, they put him in there with a can. You know, he was minus 800. In my opinion, he should have got out there and finished him in the first round because, interestingly enough, a month or two later on the LFA regional scene, that same can did get finished by knockout. But they bring him in there against Tiago Maheta Santos. And if you're not the real deal against a guy like Tiago Maheta Santos, look, even if you are the real deal against a guy like Tiago, Tiago Maheta Santos, he might go out there and finish you in the first round. You saw what he did to a guy like Jack Hermanson, who I'm very high on. And uh, Kevin Holland... Not only did he survive the three-round distance, Shaq, he was attacking with arm bars. There were a couple near submissions. He was talking to Maheta the whole time. I mean, they, they don't call him Big Mouth for no reason. I feel like in this fight, you know, they're going to stand and bang for a little bit. I feel like Kevin will not go down. I feel like he's going to duck under one of the shots, take this guy down. He's going to start talking to him, start dropping some bombs. And when uh, John Phillips tries to scramble out, I think he's either going to give up his back from there, rear naked choke, or don't be surprised if it's a guillotine choke either. I'm going to go with uh, Kevin Holland via submission here. Now next up, in the strawweight division, we got Yan Zonan. She's minus 440, and the comeback on Siri Kondo is plus 350. Now Shaq, I know everyone remembers the last time UFC came to China. We're staying up at 5 a.m., cashing max bets on... uh, this chick making her UFC debut named Yan Zona. And I know now people are going to be like, oh, it's against Kylan Curran. How are you going to toot your own horn and this and that? Well, uh, first of all, you're not, you weren't saying it back then when she was minus 105 versus Kylan Curran. Everyone was saying a bunch of shit about, oh, what if it hits the mat? What if this and that? Uh, and we didn't buy any of that bullshit. We went big on Yan Zona. And you had a 10-unit play on it. She came through. Next fight against Vivian Pereira, dog odds. Now they're finally starting to catch on, Shaq. Now she's a big favorite. You think she's going to roll here as the favorite? I do, man. I think Yan Zonan, you know, I just think, uh, you know, in the female game, you know, with her range, her distance, you know, the side kick to the head, her straight right. I mean, she's a high-level striker in that female game. And, you know, Siri Kondo, she doesn't really have too many different ways of movement. She comes straight in, man. I think it's going to be pretty easy to, you know, touch her up from the outside. And, you know, we uh, added low kicks, inside low kicks to her game uh uh, against uh, Viviani. So, you know, I think her takedown defense is improving. And uh, I think Siri Kondo's a, you know, fairly tough girl. She got finished uh, her uh, fight against Patello, but the fight before that against Shami John, who's like 20 years old, I mean, you know, those girls just aren't simply on, on, on Yan Zanan's level. So, hence the wide line. So, I got Yan Zanan all day in this one. I'm actually say by finish. Yeah, look, a finish isn't going to surprise me either. I feel like Yan Zonan, she's going to be a top 15 fighter in that weight class very, very soon. I mean, not often do you see girls come out here sidekicking women to the face. She's so vicious out there. And it's not just a knockout artist too, Shaq, because, I mean, in that UFC debut, we saw, I mean, she was buckling the very tough Hawaiian Kylan Curran. I know Kylan doesn't win UFC fights, but not many people finish her. Kylan Curran was uh, dropping her, buckling her sidekicks to the face. So then we thought, okay, she's this buzzsaw. She's this uh, potential knockout artist. But what happens uh, when she fights someone else with a lot of power? Because, you know, Vivian Pereira, a lot of people were ca- calling her the John Lineker of the women's division. You know, super short, throws big bombs. So we knew that in that fight, Yan Zonan can't stand and trade in the pocket. So what does she do? She comes out with a with a grunt and run game. She was doing her best Holly Holm, making sounds for the judges. I was like, damn, so she's got a point fighting game too? I am so impressed with Yan Zonan. And I know a lot of people have an issue with her clinch game. And 
you know, I kind of disagree. And, you know, me and Shaq, we were talking about this. And, you know, it's kind of like the, the Jermaine Durandamy deal where, you know, it, it, it's very tough to take her down, but she can be pinned up against the fence for one or two minutes at a time. And my, my whole response to that is, okay, well, while they're at distance, she's going to be butchering her on the feet. And then if a Siri Kondo wants to kill a minute or two of the clock, you know, stall out a little bit of time against that cage, it's no big deal because as soon as they separate, Yan Zonan's going to be butchering her some more. So I feel like the more meaningful shots all all across the board are going to be landed by Yan Zonan. And Siri Kondo likes to stand up and trade. So she's going to give Yan Zonan the fight she wants. I think Yan Zonan rolls here. Now, next up, also in the strawweight division... We got Wiley Zhang. She's minus 470. And the comeback on Jessica Aguilar is plus 375. Now, uh, Shaq, I know Jessica Aguilar. I know we were wrong about her last fight. I know she went out there. You know, we we overestimated that can Jody Escobar. We thought that literally any bum off the street could beat Jessica Aguilar. Turns out we were wrong. Turns out we need someone good. So let me ask you this. Do you think the 17-1 Chinese prospect is good enough to get it done here? Yeah, Aguilar, you know... You got to obviously say she looked better her last fight. I mean, her first two fights were complete wipeouts, and, you know, they were hellacious beatings. So, you know, uh, congrats to her. And, you know, I think she's, you know, I just think, you know, she's also kind of similar to Siri Kondo in a way. She likes to move forward. She likes to, you know, uh, occasionally box in the pocket and mix in a takedown here and there. The thing with the, now she's fighting Wiley Zhang, 17-1. and one. You know, any person with a 17-1 and one record, that's got to be respected on any type of level. And this girl, Wiley Zhang, huge for the weight class. I just see her landing the harder shots throughout the three rounds. I see her stuffing the takedowns. And not to mention, she took down Danielle Taylor. Now, you know, the reason why the performance wasn't so impressive, I mean, Danielle Taylor's five foot. It's kind of, you know, hard to strike against someone that's so smaller than you. But she still took Danielle Taylor down. And, I mean, not too many people have had an easy fight with Taylor. So I respected the performance. I thought it was a great win. I just think... uh now things will resort back to the old ways for Aguilar. I think, you know, Wiley Zane can take her down when she commits to it. I think she can get the better of the boxing exchanges with that left hook. And I think she'll get her hand raised in her hometown. Yeah, you know, a couple of things that I really like about Wiley Zane's game is, you know, for that UFC debut, she had to make the long flight to the United States and the jet lag, everything. And then not only that, you're taking on a girl in Danielle Taylor who might not be the most exciting might not still be with the company, Shaq, but every single person that's gone out there and fought Daniel Taylor has had a tough fight. The most dominant victory that anyone's ever had over uh, Daniel Taylor was J.J. Aldrich, and that was the exact same score that Wiley Zhang had. It was 29-28. So as far as I'm concerned, she did a great job there. And, man, I like her combo. She had that nice uh, GSP Superman jab to a right leg kick. She throws elbows. If you start to blitz a girl like Wiley Zhang, she's going to get off on that left hook. She's got takedowns as well. Don't don't forget, don't sleep on her submission game either, Shaq. So, look, I just think that Jessica Aguilar is a walking punching bag. I think she's from the Stone Ages of MMA. Of excuse me, I think she's from the Stone Ages of women's MMA. I think she lost to Angela Magana. and I, I just simply think we overrated a a can in uh in Jody Escabel the last time because we literally thought anyone could beat Jessica Aguilar. Well, I, I think Wiley Zhang is going to come out here get this job done. And I, I think there's a chance it's going to get a little violent in there, Shaq. Don't be surprised if there's blood in this fight. I got Wiley Zhang for the victory. Now, next up in the heavyweight division, excuse me, next up in the light heavyweight division, we got Rashad Coulter. He's minus 135, and the comeback on Hu Yao Zong is plus 115. Shaq, this is going to be a really ugly fight, but it might be super entertaining while it lasts. The loser of this fight is going home, no doubt about it. The question is, who's that going to be? Yeah, man, it's a very tough fight because, you know, Rashad Coulter, I mean, it seems like more people are starting to realize now in terms of that line movement, but uh, it seems like, I mean, the guy's allergic to adversity, man, you know, when things get bad in that cage, I mean, he generally checks out, you know, uh, I think uh, he... He got taken down one time, and I understand De La Roca's a, a huge man, but De La Roca's like 4-2, and two, and I mean, he got smashed on, and it was it was kind of embarrassing. And I mean, you know, the, the Tui Vasa one, hmm, you know, no shame, but he did get knocked out unconscious, and his fight with Sherman, his leg got smashed in. So, you know, I guess we could say this is a step down in competition, considering, uh, what's this guy's name? Yeah, Yao Zong, you know, he's not very good either. You know, his fight was surreal asker. You know, he got completely outclassed and finished. So, you know, uh, both of these guys are low level. I feel like Coulter is probably the better athlete. I feel like he probably hits harder. He probably, you know, 
know, I was a little stronger, but I think uh, Yao Zong is probably a little stronger mentally. So, you know, Yao Zong's got to make this a dirty, ugly fight, get culture thinking, and, you know, uh, make him beat himself. So, you know, uh, I can't pick Rashad Coulter in a fight, but I will take Hugh Yao Zong. This is going to be one of the ugliest fights we've ever seen in our lives, Shaq. Uh, you know the last guy that Rashad Coulter beat was 3-15? and 15? And I'm not even exaggerating on that, my man. And, you know, it's funny because uh, when Rashad Coulter made his UFC debut, you know, I didn't know who he was. I, I, and I picked him to beat uh, Chase Sherman because I was like, I mean, Chase Sherman is the worst fucking guy on the roster. You know, a guy named Rashad is going to go out there and beat him. And uh, turns out that wasn't the case, Shaq. Uh, turns out uh, Chase Sherman wasn't the worst guy on the roster. Turns out this guy, Rashad Coulter, it's not just in the UFC days, my man. Go back to the regional scene, and uh, he's tapping out to Kimuras that aren't even locked in against Journeyman. And, you know, it's just a very sad thing to see. And, you know, I know people are like, oh, he's training at Fortis MMA. You know, we're going to talk about Alex Morano, who's allegedly training at Fortis MMA here in a second. But, uh, look, I just think that if Rashad Coulter doesn't knock this guy out with an overhand, that he's going he's gonna to lose the fight. I know Hugh Yao Zong. I know it was ugly. I know he lost to Cyril Asker. First of all, let's not act like Cyril Asker wouldn't go out there and choke out Rashad Coulter in the first round because he absolutely would. But I get it. You know, Cyril Asker is the French jobber. I get it. He lost to that guy. You know, it's embarrassing. But all that being said, I think that Hugh Yao Zong is going to uh, tap out <laughs> Rashad Coulter with a standing guillotine, my man. I think that's his favorite move. I think that Rashad Coulter... He finds a way to lose, and I think he'll find a way to lose here as well. I would not go big on either side because they're both total cans, but I'm going to go with Hugh Yao Zong. I mean, look, they're not flying uh, Rashad Coulter all the way to China to get a win. I'll tell you that right now. What, instead, what they're doing is, you know, they had a little conversation. They were like, all right, Sean Shelby, who can we give to our 3-1 and Chinese light heavyweight prospect to get a win? Who's the absolute worst guy we can call in, fly him across the world, to, to potentially get Huey Zong a UFC win. And they were like, I know just the guy. He's coming off three losses. We were going to cut him, but let's give him one more chance. Let's give him a chance to come out here, fly across the world with that jet lag, and uh, and get standing guillotine. So I'm going to go with Huey Zong here via submission. Now, next up, we got Lauren Mueller. She's minus 410, and the comeback on Yan and Wu is plus 330. Now, uh, Shaq, you going with uh, the Contender Series veteran Mueller, or are you going with Yan and Wu here? Yeah, you know, I'll take Mueller in this fight. I just think she's the more athletic girl. You know, I think Yannan's probably got a little bit of size on her. But, uh, you know, I just think uh, in her fight against Sheena Mazzani, I mean, she just let Mazzani come out there and dictate everything, the striking, the wrestling, the clinch. So, you know, uh, I know she's got some – her other losses are to uh, Yana Kunitskaya, who, I mean, I guess is – on a different level, but I think Mueller's got good power. She showed in her contender series fight. She had a spinning back fist. I think she's a fairly good striker. And I just think, uh, and you know, her last fight too, it was a very, there was definitely adversity in that fight against Dobson. And I mean, she handled that as well, but you know, both, but she's still a little younger in her career, but I, I definitely see her project, projecting better and i see her winning this fight you know whether it's close or one-sided you know sometimes these fights can play a little close considering that they're girls but uh i think mueller will get her hand raised in china look i'm not gonna be surprised if lauren mueller wins just because you know it is a minus 410 favorite uh she's she's heavily favored to win this fight but the reason that i actually think it should be lined a little bit closer is because you know I know Yan and Wu lost to Gina Mazzani, and that's super embarrassing. But when you go back and you look at it, I mean, Gina Mazzani was uh, hugging her leg for dear life. And something that Lauren Mueller is not going to do is hump legs. Lauren Mueller wants to stand and bang. She's a bit of a brawler. I will say Lauren Mueller does have uh, some nice head movement for for that division standards. Uh, I was pretty impressed on that front. But I think that Yan and Wu, I mean, isn't she only like, what, 23, 24 years old? She's taken a full year off since her UFC debut. I feel like we're going to see a better version of her, man. I, I feel like uh, that last fight didn't really tell the story. I also heard that she might have dislocated her shoulder and that. I don't know if there's any truth to that, but that's what I heard. So I, I feel like uh, people aren't quite sure what to expect from uh, Yan and Wu here because on the regional scene, man, I, I saw her going out there knocking girls out with big bombs. So I just feel like if she gets that stand-up fight that she wants – this one could actually play out a lot closer than the line indicates. So for that reason, Shaq, I think it's a dog or pass situation. And, you know, just to be controversial, I'm going to go with Yan and Wu here for the upset. Now next up in the welterweight division, we got Alex Morano. He's minus 115. And Keenan Song is minus 105. Now, Shaq, 
you know, this guy, Alex Morano, he's really good at beating people that are about to hit retirement, you know? Retired James Muntasri. Retired Josh Berkman. We thought he was going to go out there and potentially retire Jordan Mean. He wasn't able to do it. What do you think the ceiling is on a guy like Alex Morano? You think he, come, he can come out here and uh, beat the emerging Keenan Song? Man, it's, t- it's tough to say. It seems like Morano's adopted this new style of swinging bombs and swinging for the fences and trying to be this exciting fighter. And, and you know, I don't think it's very smart. And, you know, it seems like he can't get up from bottom either. You know, uh, allegedly he's a black belt, but, you know, uh, his last fight, I mean, he got completely schooled on the mat. So it's it's really interesting to see if he's going to hang around these days because welterweight's no, welterweight's no slouch, man, like. You can't be uh, doing some of the things that he was doing his last fight thinking you're going to stick around here. Now, Keenan Sung, all his losses are fairly respectable. He lost to Israel. He lost to Riddell. Uh, who was his other loss? Um, a Russian wrestler. In our, in our Russian. So, you know, all his losses are fairly respectable. He's a big, strong guy. I think he's definitely the more the better athlete here between uh, him and Morono. I definitely think he's stronger. Uh, you know, Morono, I, I hear he's switching camps, this and that. But, you know, I feel like uh, I just see this being a bad fight for him, man. I see, you know, Keenan slipping something down the middle, you know, touching Morono's chin. You know, he has been wobbled in the past and he has been knocked stiff before, you know. Uh, Keenan Song, he's been, you know, finished with a body shot by a pro kickboxer here and there. Oh, he's fought two pro kickboxers. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I think Keenan Song is actually going to finish Morono here, man. You know, I think Morono just make, makes bad mistakes in there. Like you said, it seems like he, you know, uh, the perfect fights for him are, you know, the, the, the guys in the wheelchairs on their way out the game, you know. Uh, and uh, it's... It, it, you know, it's 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 unfortunate. You know, he had that great great fight against Montashi, but you know, uh, seems like he's been on the decline, man. So, I, I like Keenan Song here. Look, there's nothing wrong with losing to Jordan Mean, but the way he lost to him, you know, you think that just based on Jordan Mean's last few fights, he was looking super weathered. He was looking like an old man. He retired once before. It didn't seem like it would take much to to beat him, and. The kind of egg that Murano laid in that fight, I mean, look, I know they got Moron in his last name, so, you know, you don't have to look too far, but I'm just saying, that was some of the worst shit I've ever seen, Shaq. That was some regional level shit. Alex Murano would not win the NFC title, I'll tell you that right now. Jared Nitran Gooden would whoop his ass as well. As far as this matchup's concerned, it is a bad matchup for Murano because Murano likes to go in there and swing big bombs, but he's simply not as athletic or physical as a guy like Keenan Song. And I know Hector Aldana won the first round, but look, Hector Aldana was throwing leg kicks on the outside and uh, you know, for a round, and then he got knocked out with a nice straight right. Not to mention, uh, Keenan Song's money punch is that straight right. He won both of his UFC fights with that straight right. And I think he's going to win a third fight in a row with that straight right as well. Man, I think that when Alex Morano tries to close the distance with one of those you know, looping overhands, it's going to be a straight down the pipe on the chin that puts him down because we all know Shaq, if there's one thing that's going to be a looping punch, it's a straight punch. And, and that's just the that's just the deal. I mean, unless we're talking about a counter left hook like a Paul Daly, but we're not talking about a counter left hook. We're talking about a lead left hook. And uh, the way to beat that is a straight right down the pipe. That's what Keenan brings to the table. I know he looks a bit inactive in some of his fights. But the reason I don't think that's a worry here is because Alex is going to bring the fight to him. When you bring the fight to a counter striker, that's when they find all their openings. And I think Keenan's biggest weakness is actually his takedown defense. You go back, you watch that fight with that Russian uh, before his UFC debut. You know, the Russian was able to capitalize uh, with some nice blast doubles, which you and I know Alex Morano does not possess. This is going to be a stand-up fight, which uh, Keenan wants. And uh, th- let's talk about the Fortis MMA thing. So, you know, people are under the impression that, oh, it's a new Morano. He's training at Fortis MMA with Jeff Neal and Razak and all these guys, Charles Bird. Uh, the reason I don't... I think it's that big of a deal is because, first of all, he's only there twice a week. He's on there Monday and Tuesday. So, I mean, and Tuesday is their hard sparring day. So, basically, he's just getting knocked out by Jeff Neal in the gym, and he has one day of pads. And we're going to sit here and act like he's a full-time member at Fortis MMA. Not to mention, I mean, you know, you could put John Jones in any camp, and he's still going to be the best pound-for-pound fighter. That being said, you could put Alex Morano in any camp, and he's still going to be a, a, a fucking journeyman. So, yeah, I, I got Keenan Song here via straight right knockout. Main card time. First up in the welterweight division, 
we got Li Jingliang. He's minus 175. And the comeback on David Zawada is plus 155. Now, Shaq, before you break down the matchup, I got to know, is David Zawada German or is he Polish? Because I've seen a German flag next to his face, but then when he made his UFC debut against Danny Hot Chocolate, their Reebok kits were all uh, they're all Polish. I mean, it said P-O-L on the, on the kit, man. So I got to know, which one is it? Is he German or Polish? Man, uh, I'm not very sure. You know, I, he could be a, a fake Pole or a fake German. Who knows? But, uh, <laughs> you know, I think uh, I think he's a, definitely a better fighter than he is country, man. Yeah, you know, Li Jingliang, he's one of the uh, most exciting fighters that we have on in, in the welterweight division. The guy always brings it. He moves forward. He likes to bang. And, you know, Zawada, he had a very impressive debut against Hot Chocolate. That fight could have went either way. And, I mean, he's getting another tough uh, second fight, man. And and they're sending him to China to do it. You know, early on, I, I really liked uh, Zawada in this fight. But, you know, after watching a little bit of tape, you know, I do think he's ready for this level of competition. But at the same time, you know, there's a difference between winning and fighting tough. You know, I think his fight with Hot Chocolate... It was very close. It definitely could have went his way. But, you know, the thing that separated them was just, you know, the experience in those type of battles, man. You know, Hot Chocolate's an experienced vet. And uh, he was able to do slightly a little bit more things to sway the judges, man. That experience plays a big factor in these things. And now in his second fight, he's fighting another super experienced guy. The thing with uh, that similar with Lee and Hot Chocolate, both of them have questionable chins. And, you know, Zawada definitely cracked Hot Chocolate. Then I know Danny's a, a southpaw. But, you know, Lee's striking defense can be super reckless at times, man. You know, in that fight against Jake Matthews, I mean, you know... At times, you know, I thought early in his career that he'd be able to just get through it. But, you know, I mean, he's been dropped several, several times. The Keitaro fight, he got dropped against Bobby Nash. He got dropped against Camacho. He got dropped against Jake, you know. So this guy's got a, a big history of taking damage in, in his fights. And sometimes it adds up and sometimes it plays a big factor. So you got to keep a, a lookout with that on Li Jingliang. But, uh, you know, I just feel like the, the environment of fighting in China is going to be a little bit too much for Zawada. You know, I see him putting up a good fight, but I just see Lee, you know, uh, you know, winning a fight of the night type of fight. You know, I see it being a great back and forth fight. I see Zawada definitely hurting him early, but I, I definitely see Lee, you know, coming back late like he typically does at times. So I'll take uh, Lee Jingliang. I think David Zawada is a, a tough uh, workman, you know. On the regional scene, it's interesting because he was going out there and actually knocked a couple of guys out stiff but what i really noticed in the ufc debut was his scrambling ability the guy's a great scrambler but in order to be a great scrambler shack that means that you start off in bad positions and against certain guys you're not going to be able to scramble your way out of there you know we used to talk about lewis smolka all the time how you know he uh <laughs> he's a scrambler he likes to get in bad positions so he could scramble out but then you fight a guy like ray borg and you know that shit ain't gonna work in that matchup and similarly here I don't think that's going to work here against Li Jingliang. I feel like the dude is very heavy on top. Let's not even talk about uh, the striking where I, I feel like Li Jingliang has significantly more power than David Zawada. It just comes down to his chin once again because he's such a warrior that you know he'll eat the shots. He'll recover quick. He'll get back up. But eventually, there's going to come a time when this dude gets knocked out cold. I don't know if it's going to be this fight. I don't know, I don't know if it's going to be the next fight, five fights from now. But eventually, it is going to happen, Shaq. That's why uh, when Li Jingliang fights... You want to bet him as an underdog. You want to bet him as a slight favorite. But here at minus 175, I think it might be a dog or pass situation. But from a pick perspective, I got Li Jingliang here, man. The last time he fought in China against another journeyman in Zach Otto, he, uh, he handled him exactly how you're supposed to. It looks like he has a different intensity in there, man. And uh, the dude is just a heavy, heavy hitter. And uh, I also like the fact that he'll do whatever it takes to get the win. I know... He eye-gouged Jake Matthews. He wasn't able to get the victory there. But just the fact that, you know, while you're getting choked and you know you have a three-second window where you're about to go unconscious, the fact that he thought about uh, eye-gouging him, yeah, I know it's dirty, but so what? The, the guy will fight for your money. So I kind of uh, I don't want to sit here and say I like that because I don't like seeing someone get their eye, eyes gouged. But I like the fact that if I were to bet on him, I know that he's going to do whatever it takes while he's still conscious to try to get the job done. So that's a great quality. David Zawada is super tough. It's unfortunate for him, the matchups they gave him. But maybe that speaks to how good they think this kid is, you know, that they put him in there with hot chocolate. He went to a split decision, and now they're putting him in there with uh, Li Jingliang in China. But I also think they might view it like, uh, you know, who's the guy we can fly into China to get Li this win? And I think that's what's going to happen here, man. I got Li Jingliang for the victory.
Now, next up in the Bantamweight division, this is a very uh, interesting matchup just because of the prospects in it. We got Yadong Song. Song Yadong, he's minus 425. The comeback on Vince Morales is plus 340. Obviously, we've been hearing about the quote-unquote future world champion Song Yadong for a while now. And this kid, Vince Morales, he impressed a lot of people even in defeat in his contender series fight. He showed a lot of heart. So now i got to ask you, Shaq, do you think he's a live dog in this spot or do you think uh, Yadong Song is going to roll here? Nah, man, I think Song Yadong's going to roll here. You know, Vince Vince Morales, he's a tough guy. You know, he's that typical tough guy that earned his way here. But unfortunately, he's just in the midst of the Song Yadong show, especially in China, man. You know, Song's a special athlete. You know, we definitely know that his age is a myth. You know, he's really 27 years old. But I mean, when you... uh. I mean, his last fight was super impressive, man. You know, I, I definitely thought he was going to win that fight, but I didn't see it going down like that. You know, certain Asia, at least going into the fight, would have on paper was a tough test. And, I mean, he ran through him. So he's ready to face, you know, top 30, 40 guys. And, you know, I don't think uh, Vince Morales is that. You know, I think Vince Morales is, unfortunately, just a, a sacrifice. Look, Vince Morales, he's a very tough brawler. Uh, you know, you start to slug with a guy like that and you leave your chin in the air and your hands down like Domingo Pilarte did, you're going to get dropped. I mean, because the kid does throw bombs. He is pretty experienced and uh, he's a he's a rugged uh, dog out there. The thing with Yadong Song, my boy Song Yadong in this spot, man, uh, he's just a different level of athlete, different level of tenacity, a lot of, a lot of potential. Uh, it's kind of funny they still list him at 19 because between you and me, he's, you know, he's 26 years old, but... This kid, uh, I don't know if he's a future world champion, but I know that he's going to wreck shop inside the UFC octagon. I know he's going to make a lot of statements, and I think there's going to be another one of those, man. I, I think that uh, Vince will be back. Congrats to him on getting that UFC call. But I think he's going to take a L, potentially a canvas nap here, Shaq. I'm going to go with Song Yadong. It'll be a very dominant victory. Co-main event of the evening. We got the newcomer, Sergey Pavlovich. He's minus 125, and Alistair the Ream over Ream is plus 105. Now, Shaq, oftentimes it's me that's picking against Overeem, and it's you that's picking him. I got to know, are the tides going to turn this time? You going with the newcomer or what? Yeah, you know, Alistair Overeem, another guy where, you know, uh, I've, I've said in the past that heavyweights have nine lives, but, you know, Alistair's on... Alistair might have ran out of those lives, man. You know, I, I'm a big fan of Alistair. I'll, I'll always like Alistair. And, you know... This is a, definitely a step down in competition. You know, this Sergey guy, he's a, a stiff Russian. You know, he trains at Eagles MMA. That's a Khabib's gym that uh, Michael Medov was pumping money into. But, <laughs> you know, uh, I think that Sergey, you know, I think that he can still... I know beating Alistair Overeem is easier said than done, but I, I think that the the means to do it isn't that hard. You know, I think Alistair at this stage in his career, I, I, I don't see that chin holding up. You know, I might hold up for a fight or two, but I see more vicious stiffenings on the way if he uh, continues to fight. And, you know, of course he will continue to fight. But how this fight, how I see this fight going, you know, I see them clinching up a little bit early, you know, uh, seeing who's better in the clinch. And then at some point, you know, I feel like Alistair is going to be up on points a little bit, trying to run away, trying to use his movement, trying to use his distance. But then uh, eventually he'll just run into a punch and go down. You know, I think it's just going to go down like that. You know, I just don't think uh, he's going to be able to take a punch. Now, I know Sergey, he's very basic. You know, he's uh, he's got a good clinch. He's got a good right hand. And uh, at heavyweight, anything can happen, man. I just don't trust Alistair's, Alistair's chin. But it's surprising to see him as an underdog, man, especially against a guy making his debut. So, you know, uh, if you trust that chin, by all means. Well, I don't trust that chin. However, I do think that he has a significant experience advantage in this particular fight. He had a significant experience advantage over uh, over Nganu and Blades as well. But I think those are different caliber athletes than Sergey Pavlovich. Look, Sergey Pavlovich, he earned his way to the UFC. Great record. Knocked out a lot of people. Might actually come out here and knock out Overeem as well. All it takes is one punch. That being said, Shaq, and it's funny because like, like I mentioned when, when I was introducing this fight, it's normally uh, you that's out here defending Overeem, and I'm the one that's shitting on him. And I feel like now it's the opposite because I actually think that Alistair Overeem training with Curtis Blades is going to be uh, very invaluable for this particular fight. Let me uh, remind you about a fight between Alistair Overeem and Frank Mir. In that particular fight, Overeem wasn't using much of uh, his stand-up. I mean, don't get me wrong. He rocked Frank Mir a couple times, but his main game plan in that particular matchup 
he actually turned into a wrestler against Frank Mir. You saw my boy, the Reem, going in there with blast doubles, and uh, he kept him down for three straight rounds. I think he, he uh, I think he can employ a similar game plan here, and I think it'd be the smart idea to do here, man, because, look, he's always had a shitty chin, but before, you know, we used to joke about how, oh, he's he's been knocked out 10 times. Well, now it's like fucking 16 times, Shaq. Now there's no more joking around. Now it's at the point where, you know, uh, you throw a paper ball at his chin and the guy's going to go unconscious. So I still think he can come out here and wrestle Sergey Pavlovich. You know, we talk about Sergey being a Russian, and he is a Russian. I respect all Russians. They're incredible warriors. But he's not a Dagestani Russian. The reason I bring that up is he's not a wrestler. He's one of the blonde hair Russians. He's like a Volkov. So the guy doesn't have the best takedown defense. I feel like Alistair can capitalize in that area. He's just about not getting knocked the fuck out. And that's a big uh, factor in this fight. As long as he doesn't get touched on that chin or behind the ear on the temple, I think he cruises here. I'm going to go with Alistair over him via decision. Main event of the evening, the rematch. Curtis Razor Blades, he's minus 230, and Francis the Predator Nganu is plus 190. Uh, Shaq, you think my boy uh, Francis Nganu is going to get a swagger back, or uh, or is it going to be a title shot victory for Curtis Blades? Yeah, man. Like I said earlier, it's unfortunate what's been happening to Francis. And it's funny, man. You know, on his streak, you know, when he was allegedly supposed to, to uh, be the greatest heavyweight of all time, you know, before he... I always said, what happens when this guy actually gets into a real fight? You know, all his other fights were complete, you know, walkthroughs, easy money, besides the Blades fight. I mean, he, he definitely won that. But, you know, Curtis was like 5-0. and oh. And uh, the two fights where he did face somewhat of adversity, you know, he completely washed out. So, you know, it's uh, it's interesting to see, you know, Curtis Blades, this version of Curtis Blades is definitely going to create some adversity. So Francis is definitely going to have to do something that uh, he's not used to doing. But uh, Curtis Blades is definitely... I feel like both guys have definitely improved since uh, they fought. Uh, you know, I feel like Curtis Blades. Uh, you know, I still feel like his striking's a little, a little choppy, a little sloppy. I definitely see a lot of openings, but uh, you know, one thing Curtis is probably the best in the division at besides Cormier is uh, wrestling. I mean, he'll just use force to run you over, and it's just that simple. You know, I feel like. That would be the smart thing to do here against Ngannou, you know, get his muscles filled with blood and make him tired and make him start looking for ways out. And, you know, I definitely think he it can do it. You know, Curtis is one of these guys that he knows where he, he knows what he's good at, man. He, he knows what game plan to stick to. And, uh, you know, occasionally he'll get caught with a punch here, but I think he's got a really good chin at heavyweight, man. I mean, he's never taken a canvas snap at, uh, yet, but, you know, uh, I think he's got a really good chin at heavyweight. I think that's one of his better qualities. So I, I definitely see him eating Francis's and Ghana's power again, just like the first time. But the difference will just be, you know, his tactics. You know, I feel like he's going to push him against the fence, go for doubles, get the doubles eventually in the later rounds, the third, fourth rounds. And I see him winning a dominant decision i think there's a high possibility that what you just said happens i mean obviously curtis blades he's a smart guy he doesn't feel a need to go out there and stand and bang for his ego he knows exactly where his strength lies i know he got rocked a couple times against mark hunt but instead of saying oh yeah i'm gonna hit you back he was like okay i'm gonna blast double this guy so that'd be a very smart thing to do here against uh, francis and gano and real quick before i break down this matchup you know a lot of people are are shitting on my boy and Ganu saying stuff like, oh, the first fight with Blades doesn't really count because uh, it was a doctor stoppage. Well, uh, let me just say that half of Curtis Blades' face was hanging off, so it definitely counts, Shaq. But they're both at completely different parts and stages of their careers that that fight doesn't really matter much anymore. So what it really comes down to in my mind is what we've been talking about this whole time. Where's Francis and Ganu at mentally? Because that Stipe fight, you know... I feel like people talk about how I broke him mentally, but they don't talk about how I broke him physically, man. I mean, you've never seen Francis Ngannou in a pool of his own blood until you saw the Stipe Miocic fight. And, you know, it's one thing to, to get taken down a couple times, but what about getting taken down after you've literally hit this guy with your hardest shots when they compared your punches to, you know, some Ford car and, you know, you killed Alistair Overeem. I mean, everyone thought he was dead when they were watching the broadcast. So you go from that, to the result he had against Stipe, you know, and you can make excuses, say hey, it was the greatest heavyweight of all time, he'll bounce back. But the way he bounced back against the Black Beast was super alarming. Now, one can make the argument, two of the heaviest hitters in that division, there's a reason that they didn't take too many risks. Because one uh, 
chin touch from either guy, and the fight could be over shortly after. So we can make that excuse. But if he comes out here shy again, there's no more excuses. Uh, that'll just go to show that he really is mentally done, that Stipe really did put that nail in the coffin. So the reason that I'm actually trying to make a case for Ngannou is because the line is plus 190 right now. And I think that at this line, man, it is dogger pass. Uh, when was the last time you saw a plus 190 next to a guy like Francis Ngannou? And I respect the hell out of Curtis Blades. He's an unbelievable fighter. Has a clear path to victory here. Take this guy down. Wear on him. Don't let him up. Beat him up. Uh, start throwing those uh, those razor blades, you know, those elbows. And, uh, you know, send this guy packing back to France. But if Francis Ngannou has learned anything from those last two fights, if Francis Ngannou shows up anything like his old self, and what I mean by his old self is I mean full of confidence, that invincibility he had, knowing that I can just touch these guys one time, they'll go flying, they'll never be the same, and I have beaten Curtis Blades before. If he shows up like that, I think he can get this upset. I just really don't know where he's at mentally. So it's really tough to pick him. I think from a betting perspective, it's dog or pass. Pick-wise, I will lean with Curtis Blades just because I feel like he's at a better uh, place mentally, and I think he has a clear path to victory and a clear strategy. So if he comes out here and executes that game plan, I think he wins comfortably. But uh, I'm still not counting out Francis Ngannou, man. I haven't written him off yet. This will be the fight that will determine it all for me. He can lose a very spirited effort, and then I'll be like, okay, let's see what's next. But if he goes out here and doesn't really fight and gets dominated and doesn't show the heart, doesn't show the power, the will to win that he once had, I'll write, I'll uh, close the book on Francis Ngannou. So this fight is going to let me know everything I need to know, Shaq. I lean Curtis Blades. Now we got to hit up Kyle Marley for the Big Marley Minute. And joining us now on the Big Marley Minute is Big Marley himself. Kyle, you excited to wake up at uh, 3.15 a.m. and watch another Chinese car and cash some bets? <laughs> I still haven't decided if I'm going to watch this card live or not. That's really not the kind of card that I'm stoked to wake up at 3 a.m. for. So I might just catch it on tape delay. Uh, but I haven't figured it out yet. I'll probably end up waking up just to check, uh, make sure nothing was canceled in my DraftKings lineups. And then I might just get all hyped up and end up watching it. But we'll fucking see. Uh, but there's money to be won, and I'm ready to win it. Well, I know one fight that you're going to be awake for, and that's the rematch between Curtis Blades and Francis Ngannou. Unbelievable fight. It appears like they're in two completely separate places in their careers, but the line, I think it's a dog or pass situation with that plus 190, but that being said, it seems like Curtis Blades' trajectory is towards that title shot, and we don't know where Francis Ngannou's head's at. So I got to know, man, from the DraftKings perspective, uh, what are you thinking? Uh, it's just an easy fight to really go all in on. Just target both sides if you're making 10 lineups. Just favor the guy you like more, go 7-3 and three in favor of them, or 6-4, and four, however you want to do it. But it's, it's the best fight on the card to target. Um, and for Blades, it's for his wrestling ability. I mean, he could go out there, get 130, 140 points with takedowns and a finish. Um, I'd say he possibly has five to ten takedown upside in this fight. And if he can get a win with that many takedowns, he's probably going to score more than any other fighter on the card. Uh, and he's only 8,700. So there's no way he does not pay that value off in a win. Uh, but Nganu, man, he's he's a freak. These two have fought before. I don't think his confidence is going to be shot here because he, he knows he can win this fight. He's done it before. Uh, so I think he's live for a knockout. If Blades can't get those takedowns, I think Ngannou's going to win by knockout because I just don't see Blades winning a striking match here against Ngannou. It's going to have to be takedown heavy. And if it's anything like their first fight, Ngannou got right back up real quick and Blades can't wrestle for five rounds against Ngannou. I just think he'll gas out by the time he gets to that. So uh, you got to favor both sides. I really don't like any underdogs on this card. So I am going to pick Francis Ngannou here as one of my underdogs, and I'm just going to be a little bit heavier on him and hope that that knockout does happen. So I'm picking Ngannou, but uh, you definitely can't fade Blades here. He has the highest ceiling on the card. Well, you got to search few and far between to find people taking Francis Ngannou right now. And uh, Kyle, I got to say this, man. Speaking about competing for a lot of points, Song Yadong is taking on Vince Morales. And uh, this kid, Song Yadong, he's been a buzzsaw in the UFC. I think he blew a lot of people's minds uh, with his two performances. We weren't expecting that. Dana's already gone ahead and called him a future world champion. What's your opinion? Oh, uh, wow. Well, I didn't know he called him that. Uh, yeah, I'm very impressed with this kid. He's he's super exciting to watch, and he's very well-rounded. 
Um, I'm glad we get to see him again here. And it's a, it's really a layup fight for him. I think that this is a fight that they want him to win. And I do think it's probably his toughest fight yet. It's just, it's a good one for him. Uh, Morales is going to go out there and he's going to strike and we're going to see Yudong put on a show for those Chinese fans. And I think he's one of the best car uh, plays on the card. He's got a minus 155 inside the distance line. Uh, and I really like him so much because I don't like the people that are around him on DraftKings. I just think he's got such a better ceiling than those guys, even in a decision. Uh, and, I, and I'm pretty confident in him getting a win here. So I'm really not interested in Morales too much. Maybe a GPP shot because Yudong will be popular. And if he does lose, then you're going to kill off half the field. So maybe Morales for that reason, but I just think this is a great fight for Yudong, and I'm looking forward to him going out there and getting an impressive win. Yeah, and good eye on that minus 155 for the inside the distance because actually as recently as yesterday, it was plus 215, Kyle. Oh, wow. Yeah, someone made a big bet on not Song Yudong inside the distance. I didn't even see that, but that's wild. I mean, hopefully they're going to catch because I'm definitely going to have some Yudong in my lineups. Yeah, for sure. And man, this welterweight matchup between Li Jingliang and David Zwada, I have a feeling it could be fight of the night. I think that they're both going to slug. I think someone could go down, or it could be a three-round war. Which way are you leaning? Yeah, I think this could be the fight of the night as well. And for that reason, I think you could target both sides. I definitely prefer Jingliang um, over there in China. He's just going to want to go out there and put on a show, and he usually does. And at 8,500, I just have a hard time seeing him not pay that off um in a win so if he can get the win it doesn't matter if it's really a decision or finish he has a hundred point upside and, and that's what i like about jing liang every fight but with uh his opponent i mean we've seen jing liang get clipped a few times in fights and that i mean that's not going to hold up forever you're not just going to be able to go through it every time and and not get knocked out so Zawada with his what has he got 11 tko ko's on his record if he can clip that chin maybe he can get a knockout in that 7,700, I feel like that for sure puts him on the winning lineup. So uh, another fight to target both sides of, it's just hard to pick against Jing Liang over there in China. So he's going to be my guy. But if you're making a lot of lineups, this is one to to go a little bit higher on Jing Liang and then hedge a bit with Zawada in a lineup or two as well. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and say Jing Liang by decision. Now, Kyle, you don't have to go too in-depth on this Lauren Mueller versus Yan and Wu fight, but I just want to know your perspective on the line because I did feel like minus 410 was a bit wide. But uh, maybe you think it's justified. I, I mean, it might be a bit wide, uh, but I do think she's the rightful favorite, and she should go out there and get the win. Uh, the issue is that she's ninety two hundred. Um, she's more expensive than Song Yudong, and it's just I, I don't want to pay for her over Yudong. So she's not going to be making my lineups because she's so expensive. And this is just a fade fight altogether for me because I do think she gets the win. I just don't think she scores highly. Um, so. Fade all around, no interest in cash, no interest in GPP. Mueller, I'll take by decision, though. The heavyweight fight that everyone's been talking about, Rashad Coulter versus Hugh Yao Zong. Someone's got to pack their bags and uh, leave the UFC. You think it's going to be Coulter or Yao Zong? Uh, it's actually a light heavyweight fight between these right. former heavyweights. You're right. But I think it's going to be Coulter. I, I'm just more impressed with what I've seen in him. I think he's going to have more power. Um, and he knows he needs a win here, so I think he's going to be a little bit more safe. And, I mean, you got to target both sides of this fight because it's a minus 400 that it doesn't go to decision. So it's a great fight to target both sides of, especially when we don't like underdogs. You can you can take uh, Wu here or you here uh, because he is an underdog with finishing potential. So he's decent for that reason, but i got to take Coulter to get the win. Uh, I could just kind of see this maybe going to decision and these guys being a little bit tentative, not going out there to kill. And if that's the case, it's going to be it's going to be a terrible sloppy fight, and it will not be on the winning lineup for that reason. So I'm not going to go all in on it like a lot of people are talking about this week. But Coulter's my pick, and I think it will be tough for him not to pay off that $8,400 salary in a win, especially if he gets a, a finish, then he's probably on the optimal lineup. But that goes for both these guys. So Jessica Aguilar, you know, now that we look back at her last fight, it turns out she got a softball in Jody Escobel. But uh, there's no softball in the 17-1 and Wiley Zhang. So I got to know, man, making that flight all the way to China, you think Jessica Aguilar is going to make it two wins in a row? No, I don't see it. Um, Zhang's, Zhang's impressive, man. I think uh, she's legit. 
And this is a good fight for her, I think. Aguilar's on her way out. Zhang's on her way in. And I'm thinking the UFC is going to want her to get the win here over there in China. Uh, it's just the same thing with Mueller, man. She's she's too expensive for me to be rostering her at 9,200 or 9,300. So it's another most likely fade fight for me. But I would rather have Zhang over Mueller because I think she has more finishing upside and she's just going to be more active on the feet, I believe. Uh, so I, I like Zhang more and she is a hundred dollars more expensive. So maybe she'll even be lower owned than Mueller and I'm okay with that, but I'm probably just going to fade it all around because I'd rather have you So my future world champion, Yan Zonan's taking on Siri Kondo. You think this is going to be the kind of mismatch that the line indicates or you think there might be a, a sneaky upset here with Kondo? No, I think it's pretty much a mismatch like the line indicates, and this is exactly like those two other fights we just talked about with Mueller and Zhang, um, except for that Yan is 9400 She's more expensive than both of them, and I don't see her getting a finish either, uh, nor do I see her getting 94-plus points in a decision. So this is really the stay-away-from range for me. Uh, just skip the ninety-two dollars to $9,400 range and go ahead and pay down for your dong who has much higher ceiling than these three and is just as likely to win, in my opinion. Um, I think all three of these girls are going to win. I think there are good chances of getting a win. I would really rather just parlay all three of them together than I would uh, throw them into DraftKings lineups. But I also don't really have any interest in their opponents. I do think Kondo makes for a decent cash punt because we could take the loss there, and if she could put up 30 points on a loss – as long as we got our four wins elsewhere, I think that's fine. So I might be looking at like an Aguilar or Condo as a cash punt, but I really have no interest in their upside in GPPs. And that's why you are the DraftKings guy for half the battle. But before I let you go, my man, last but not least, Kevin Holland's taking on John Phillips. I told Shaq earlier on the show that uh, John Phillips has had 28 professional fights and uh, he's only seen the third round one time. In those 28 professional fights, my man. That was about 10 years ago. I assume this one isn't going the distance. You think Kevin Holland's going to get him out of there in the first? Yeah, I do. Uh, it, although, I, I mean, I think Phillips is live for a knockout only. And maybe you could throw him in GPPs for that reason. Because if he gets a knockout at the cheapest as the cheapest fighter on the entire card, then he could win a GPP for that reason. I just don't want to rely on a knockout when I think Holland's going to be the better fighter everywhere. I think he can win this fight on the feet uh, with a finish or a decision. And if it hits the ground, I think it's just going to be domination and him picking up a submission at some point. Um, the only issue is that he's 9,500, the most on the entire card. Give me him over those three chicks, but him and him and Song Yudong are going to be my top two plays of the week. I, one of them will probably be in every lineup of mine, and that's where I'm going to be starting most of my lineups, um, cash or GPP. Uh, so, yeah, I'm loving some Holland. He just got to score more than anyone at that $9,500 price. Well, Kyle, thanks for your time, my man. Uh, the fans can follow you at Big Marley 3 Happy Thanksgiving uh, to you and your family. Happy Thanksgiving to all the fans listening. And, uh, Kyle, uh, let's get this money, my man. Let's get it. Happy, Happy Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Good luck, everybody. Let's get it. Well, Shaq, now we got to talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch. So what is the fight to watch for UFC Beijing? My fight to watch has got to be that main event, man. It's like a crossroads because, like, if Curtis wins that fight, he's right in title contention. You know, I know he doesn't have the uh, the best style for, uh, especially right now with Brock and Jones and all that stuff lingering. But, I mean, he's right there. And, I mean, if Francis's career is kind of riding on, riding on the line, man, I know he's not going to get cut or anything like that. But, I mean, if he loses this fight, he's going to have to go down and fight like a like, like Adam Vicerec. <laughs> A rusty Crowder or something, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know so uh, it's a uh, it's really interesting that fight, man. You know, Francis needs a win bad. So hey, and apparently, hey, real quick, he, real quick, who you got between my boy uh, CV Vicharek and uh, Francis Ngannou? Oh, my boy CV, bro. <laughs> Flying triangle. <laughs> but nah, but uh, but yeah, man, that his careers. His career is, you know, just dropping and dropping. And, you know, it seemed like when he went to Vegas, apparently uh, he uh, became this big egomaniac. So let's see how he is when he's back in France. Man, I just don't like the sounds of that, Shaq. But look, my fight to watch is Li Jing Liang versus David Zawada. Let me know the last time Li Jing Liang 
had a boring fight because I'm pretty sure you can't tell me because there hasn't been one. And David Zawada made his UFC debut with a fight of the night performance against Danny Hot Chocolate Roberts. I think they made this matchup for a reason. I think it's the first fight of the main card for a reason. And uh, I think it's going to entertain at uh, 6 a.m. on a Saturday morning, my man. So I'm going to go with Li Jingliang versus David Zawada as the fight to watch. Now, Shaq, who is the fighter to watch for UFC Beijing? My fighter to watch is... uh... The number one Chinese strawweight in SN Zalnan, man. I think she's going to have a great performance, and I think, I think she's a, a fighter to keep an eye on for. I, I think she's going to hit that top 15, like you said. And, you know, this is the path on the way there. There's no doubt about that, my man. And my fighter to watch, interestingly enough, is uh, Lewis, the last samurai smoker. Look, this is a kid that. You know, he was getting blackout drunk every single night, and then he's going in there and fighting guys like Mateus Nicolau, and hey, he didn't get knocked out. He took his ass whooping like a man. He's such a super tough Hawaiian, but they cut him. He had to go cut his uh, teeth on the regional scene. Allegedly, he quit drinking. He's been sober since January. He got three finishes on the regionals. Now he's back taking on the very exciting and young prospect in Suma Derji, and Louis Smolka is going to have to show his heart once again because this kid is going to be throwing some serious kicks at him. And I feel like if Smolka is to get this win, it has to be a comeback victory of some sort. But regardless, I want to see where he's at after, uh, you know, after taking a year off from the UFC, man, after changing his life completely. I want to know if a sober Louis Smolka is better than the alcoholic Louis Smolka. And either way, he's always been an exciting fighter, man. So, uh... My fighter to watch is Lewis, the last Samurai Smoker, Shaq. Well, Shaq, we did it. It's going down Saturday morning, 3 a.m., UFC Beijing. Curtis and Francis are about to run it back. And uh, looking to get another win here. And uh, follow me at Best Fight Picks. Follow Shaq at MMAGenius05, our Instagram, Best Fight Picks Official. Subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Stitcher. And until the next time, let's cash these bets.